0: Hey everyone, my guest today is truly one of the most accomplished people in any field that I have ever met or had on my podcast. Uh, Christine Vashon is the producer of movies that include Carol, Far From Heaven, Boys Don't Cry, Velvet Goldmine, Happiness, Kids. Plus, she's produced uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and one of Craig's favorite movies of all time, uh, Safe by Todd Haynes. So it's truly an honor to say that she is my patient today on Lunch Therapy. And before we get to her session, I just want to remind you that if you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and you'll get an alert every time there's a new episode. And also, if you haven't already, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Lunch Therapy and you'll see what I eat for lunch every day. All right. Well, without wasting any time, here we are with Christine Vashon. I'm going to start recording. Well, Christine, thank you so much for my pleasure. being here. It's funny because it's like you, I mean, this is going to be maybe hyperbole, but I don't think so. I mean, you're a legend in your field and here you are on my food podcast and I think a lot of people are probably wondering, what is she doing there? But you you had been following me on Twitter?
1: Absolutely. No, I followed your blog years oh, ago.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I guess I probably follow you on Twitter now, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Yes, I do.
0: Well, okay. So you followed the blog. I'm pouring wine, by the way, because Christine brought rosé, which is very nice.
1: And I kind of brought it so that we each have our own bottle.
0: I love we have our own (laughs) mini bottles of rosé. So this is like very inappropriate for a therapy session. I think
1: we should clink.
0: Cheers. Cheers. So nice to meet you. Um, Okay, so you've been following my blog, but are you a food, a passionate food person?
1: I mean, I really love to cook, and it's kind of how I relax. Uh And when I travel, which I do a lot, uh, it's sort of a you know, I have a, I have a a, a, girl, a long-time girlfriend. We never got married, so it feels a little infantilizing to call her my girlfriend. <laughs> okay. But I don't know what else to say. Life partner? Yeah, I suppose I could say that. <laughs> but anyway, and uh, and we have a daughter. Okay. Um, so often before I go out of town, I, you know, cook for them for the whole time I'll be gone. Oh, well, that's so sweet. And it's sort of a therapeutic. It's like how I deal with my guilt for uh-huh. being gone so much. It's Remember
0: that, the movie Um Babe? About the pig. Yes. Remember when she goes to the fair, she makes all the meals for her husband. Mm-hmm. And that makes me think of that for some reason.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: yeah. So what, like, what's the thing that you'll make when you're going out of town?
1: You know, it sort of depends, you know, now, now our daughter's in college. So uh, now I cook the things that Marlene likes, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it also depends on what I feel like cooking. Mm-hmm. That's, so, so I guess what I'm trying to say is I really love to cook and, but I'm not like I, I'm not like one of a restaurant chaser, necessarily. Mm-hmm. I like a good restaurant, but I really identify with that Frank Bruni article where he said, you know, at a certain point, your favorite restaurant is where they know how to make your drink, mm-hmm. and they're nice to you.
0: It's so funny, because Craig, you know, like, I'm all about, like, what's the newest, what's mm-hmm. the hottest, what's the latest? And Craig's favorite restaurant is in Silver Lake here, and it's called Blair's. And it's, like, no fuss. It's just right. simple, and it's very chic and kind of yep. cute. And um and lately I've been actually kind of sharing his enthusiasm for it of just like, you know what? It's so much nicer just to go there and feel like, you know, you're not like yep. you know, jostling to get a table. And um wow. So I feel like there's so much I want to ask you about. But um to start though, I mean I think one of the things that's really interesting to me is that I, the idea of taste. Cause I've been thinking about that knowing I was going to have you on, the idea of like having good taste, because I feel like being a producer I mean, you you clearly have incredible sure. taste in the work that you are producing. But does that apply to all the areas of your life? And is it something you could turn on and turn off? And specifically, does it apply to food? I mean, do you apply the same scrutiny to the food that you eat, that you do, to the movies that you make? Or
1: Well, I mean, I do think that if you really find pleasure in food, having a shitty meal is really awful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like... Like and 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 because I travel so much and I'm in airports all the time, I sometimes really strategize to figure out how I cannot you know waste a meal on something. Like to me, the anathema is a chicken Caesar. <laughs> I just think that those are just like crimes against nature. It makes
0: me wonder what the cinematic equivalent of a chicken Caesar <laughs> is. But I won't ask you to name name. Um, <laughs> trying to
1: think. Yeah, I'm sure there's an know. answer to it. But. Probably the third or fourth. Uh, you know, um, like you know, uh, pets for <laughs> pets for. Like that. Okay, yeah. good answer, good answer. Yeah.
0: So, so when you got, I mean, you've met, you've mentioned traveling a lot already. So when you travel and you're at like JFK, do you have your spot at JFK that you'll go, or do you have your um?
1: Well, I have, I have another. You know, uh, the other thing I'm known for is I started writing these reviews of airline lounges. Oh yeah, on Twitter, right? On Twitter, yeah, I follow I, a f- that. A few years ago. And it got super popular, got mm-hmm. way more popular than I anticipated. And w- sometimes I'll meet people and they'll say, ask, you know, are you Christine Bashon? And I'll say, yes. And I'll expect them to say, oh my God, you made my favorite movie. And instead they say, I love your lounge reviews. <laughs> that one you did about the shitty Sauvignon Blanc in the, in the Bangkok airport is so funny. So now I feel like this pressure. Yes. When I go to the airport, I'm like, okay, first things first. Mm-hmm. In fact, I did come back from Bangkok uh, last year. I was there to do like a script thing for three, four days. And I realized that between my ticket, which was you know, a business class ticket, and my various credit cards and priority pass, etc., I had access to five different lounges. <laughs> and I was really like, okay, the heat is on.
0: I feel like this is a movie you should make.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone would be, would be interested but me, but I would be really
0: interested. But because, you know, honestly, I mean, based on what I've heard from other friends too, is it feels like a subculture. Like airport lounges feel like, a, like I don't understand it because I don't travel enough. Right. So I don't have access to the lounges because I don't have enough miles. But it does feel like there's a whole, I mean, it's like the points guy online. Like the, all these people are telling you like, So wait, which is your favorite airport lounge of all of them? I
1: don't know. I mean, you know, to be honest, they sometimes sort of blend together. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really enjoy the bizarreness of an off-brand lounge in a weird country. (laughs) Okay, like I'd say the worst lounge I was ever in was in Cluj, Transylvania, in Romania. Wow! And um, is that the worst one? It was absolutely awful. (laughs) Uh, It was. it, It. You know. It was gray from cigarette smoke Mm -hmm. and even though i think you weren't allowed to smoke there clearly the Romanians (laughs) were like try and stop us and um and it was just disgusting (laughs) but i still spent an hour and a half in there i mean it's
0: funny i have to say like as like a food person i guess like the idea of a lounge versus the potential to maybe find something more interesting in the airport itself is less appeal- I mean, but
1: what is there? I mean, honestly, I, f- I know everyone you know goes on and on about the JetBlue uh, terminal in New York, Terminal yeah. Five at JFK, and I think the food is really mediocre. But like
0: Shake Shack. I mean, wouldn't you rather have Shake, Shake Shack, Shack over yeah, okay. lounge food?
1: Yeah, I suppose. But I guess when I go into an airport, I'm like entering a different zone. Uh huh. You know, and it's like that's all fine for. Every day, Mm -hmm. but now I'm entering the the travel zone.
0: Right, so it's a mental. It's about getting to the right mental space. Well, you mentioned the wine in your reviews on Twitter, and even when you came over today, you mentioned the rosé was a 2017. No,
1: this is 2018. Oh, you said
0: 17 is a bad year for rosé. It's
1: not that it's a bad year. It's just it depends on the kind of rosé you like. Okay, and there's plenty of rosés that people love Mm -hmm. that uh, are a little bit more aged, so they're a little. The fruit is a little bit more pronounced. Okay. I happen to really like the younger, sort of lighter, fresher rosés. Mm-hmm. This is a Miravelle. It's very good. And uh, and they had two choices at Gelson's. <laughs> yes. Um, and I saw that one was a 2018 and one mm-hmm. was a 2017. And if you held them up next to each other, you'd be able to tell the difference because the 2018... It's not significantly darker, but darker enough so that you could tell.
0: But I was going to ask are you, and I'm going to say this word wrong, an onophile? Is that the right word?
1: I have no idea. <laughs>
0: like a wine lover? I'm, I mean, are you, a, I mean, I'm even a, that distinction feels very whiny. and like.
1: I am, I'm a wine lover in the most basic sense. Okay. Like I love it and I love to drink it, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I sound like, you know, I know what I like. Mm-hmm. I can't really describe, um, you know, the nuance of one wine as opposed to another. But the thing about, you know, think about an airport lounge is it's setting the table for you before you take a journey. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, it gives you a little bit of, um, solitude when you're about to be smashed against a lot of people, even if you're in a fancy class of service, Mm -hmm. uh, it gives you, like, that moment to reset yourself. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's about having a decent glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Now, one of my th- one of the things that makes me crazy is you can go to, like, even a really shitty bar, mm-hmm. and they'll probably have a decent beer.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, it might be an import. It might be a local craft beer. But they'll probably have something that's not just a shitty Bud Light. Mm-hmm. But the wine will be... Terrible. <laughs> Just awful. But can and,
0: I make a confession? Like I'm a you know I've I've written a cookbook. Like I, I know a lot about food, and I wouldn't know. I have to be honest. Like I truly wouldn't know if I went to a, a bar and it was a shitty glass of wine. I don't even know what that would be.
1: But how old are you? Forty. See, I think it. I think it happens. Like I think. I think probably by the time I was forty, I was being a little like, Hey, wow! I if I spent a little more, sure, this would actually be. Bet a better experience. Well, I go to the good
0: places. I mean, I go to these good wine shops right. in LA, and I just defer to them. Right, but I, I guess I just haven't steeped myself enough in wine culture to know. But you're a very modest wine lover. I feel I, like
1: I think you just like eventually, you know, going for what you like is mm-hmm. all that matters.
0: Well, Christine, I didn't preface this at all, but the way this works is we chat for the first ten right. minutes as we just did, and then right. we then I ask you what you had for lunch today. Right. And I should probably preface that by saying that before you came today, like there was a little bit like I think I gave some advice on maybe where you could go, but I have no idea where you went.
1: Okay, well, it's a little disappointing.
0: Oh no. Um, so what I, did you have for lunch no, today? No, no, it wasn't
1: disappointing to me. Okay. I'm afraid it'll be disappointing to you. Why? because i just like there's no know. judgment
0: here i'm i'm a very <laughs> neutral therapist
1: i'm uh you know i'm staying at the standard downtown shooting okay. downtown and i you know walked to the whole foods yesterday and got a handful of you know basics like some crackers and good cheese and mm-hmm. a little prosciutto and that's what i had for lunch
2: but
0: I love that. I think in it's in my hotel room. But it's all of a piece. I think it feels very much connected to the lounge conversation we were just having. Right. It's like your hotel room is sort of the place, I imagine, when you're on a shoot where you can collect yourself.
1: Uh, Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, when you were, so is there, um, were there, was there specificity in terms of the cheese, the, what you ate today?
1: I, you know, I only eat goat and sheep cheese and I also am gluten free. Okay. So, you know, and finally I'm in a, you know, I'm in a town where everyone's like, "That's all you are." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you <know? laughs> oh yeah, that's the least of it. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, really? You eat dairy at all? <laughs> um, so I just, you know, look, I love going to uh, I love going to supermarkets, not in my hometown, mm-hmm. even because Whole Foods aren't the same everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not as much fun as going to one in like San Sebastian or something. Like, you know, really going, which I also love to do, mm-hmm. but. Um, uh, so I just buy I just buy like what's little and that I can probably consume in you know two days.
0: So what so what do you remember the name of the cheese that you had today?
1: Yeah, well, one of them. Well, I only had one. I bought two, but I only had the Cowgirl Creamery Truffle Tremor.
0: Yeah, I've had that. That's mm-hmm. delicious. So you had gluten-free crackers.
1: Yes, these were flackers.
0: Flackers. Okay. <laughs> so you're in your hotel room, mm-hmm. and and can I ask what movie you're working on, or is it a secret?
1: No, it's not a secret. It's uh, some of it's secret. So I'll just tell you the part that isn't. It's a series for FX that's been announced uh, about the uh, history of LGBTQ rights in America. Great. Six episodes, six different directors. That is what hasn't been announced is the directors. Okay. Got one it. of the directors, and I'll tell you who when we're when we're done, uh, is shooting um, uh, a, a portion of his episode um, in downtown LA, and that's why I'm here.
0: Fantastic. I have a couple of guesses, but we'll talk about <laughs> it later. So you, you came in for this. So when you're on a shoot, um, I mean, you've done, I mean, I looked up like all the movies you've done, you've right. done so many movies. So yes. you, you must have it down to a science in terms of like how, like when you arrive, like what you're, you know, what? I mean, even going to the hotel room and eating the cheese and crackers—I feel like you've done that before. Yes. Obviously. So, um, is this? Do you have a, a certain routine that you do every time you're on a movie set? Basically,
1: you know, it sort of depends. This is a little bit different because um, it's only a two-day shoot, mm-hmm. so uh, um, and it's not, you know, when you're doing a long shoot, and I'm sure you know this from Craig. Mm-hmm. I mean. Then you get into a whole other routine of like the long days mm-hmm. and how you how you decompress and right. what you need when you come back you know after shooting a fourteen hour day et cetera mm-hmm. um this is pretty easy compared to that um and I'm just here for a few days mm-hmm. uh but you know I like to uh like like for example, when we were shooting Carol uh in cincinnati i um I lived in the Hilton. Okay. Uh, Could have gotten an apartment, but Todd was living in the Hilton, and I usually have to be where he is. Mm -hmm. Um, But we sort of outfitted it. And I had a toaster oven, mm-hmm. and so I cooked in the toaster oven. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds like uh, a cookbook. It was sort of, it was, you know, it was pretty basic, but it was fine
0: Actually, Roger Ebert wrote a book Did about you know that? toaster
1: oven cooking. I
0: think it was about his rice cooker. I mean, it was something like that, where it was just like he had like a hundred <laughs> recipes of like how to use his rice I should cooker.
1: Get it for the next time I'm in staying in a hotel for three months.
0: Yeah. Well, so I have a question. I'm, this is all like bring, so. I, and it was funny. We had a TV writer named John Regie on here mm-hmm. uh, a couple episodes ago, and he had. A a very bifurcated life you know he had the right his writer's room self when he was in a writer's right. room and what he ate and then he had his dream like cooking like he had a right. house in Italy so I, I feel like I'm getting a sense of you when you're working you're in lounges you're in hotel rooms but when you're off and you're home like what kind of food are you eating then
1: what do I cook when I'm
0: well like what what's your culinary lifestyle like in your day-to-day life when you're not working
1: um you know uh to think of the things i i i like i like spicy food okay but my girlfriend i really cook for her yeah and i think that's mostly what you do i love that so i really cook for her tastes she's from the south she's uh she loves potatoes (laughs) uh her palate is, has been expanded a little, uh-huh. but I always have to, like, usually when I cook something spicy, I have to really think and pull it back mm-hmm. because she can't, you know, it's just not her taste. She likes pretty simple things like mm-hmm. roast chicken and, um, and I cook a lot of uh, uh, legumes, beans, etc. cetera, often with a sort of Indian bent. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I use a recipe um, as a guide, but not as a bible. Mm-hmm. So I'll see something that's interesting to me in a recipe, and then I'll just like kind of riff off of that. It's interesting as
0: you're talking; it's making me think about doing creative work and the idea of like who's your audience and are you doing yes, it for them or are you doing it for yourself? And with your cooking, right. it's like you have a very clear audience in mind. That's right, your girlfriend. But is it the same way when you're producing a movie? Are you also thinking like who is this for? Are we, do you shape it the same way that you, sh- you know, you tone down the spice in your cooking for your girlfriend?
1: Um, that's an interesting way to put it. I mean, I would say no, because what people want when they see, when they see an independent film, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, and this could, you know, be a whole discussion of, but who's seeing an independent film these days? I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Good question. Um, but, uh I think what people want is a truly original voice, mm-hmm. and but what I do think is you know, as we say, you know, we're we're getting ready to launch Todd Haynes' new movie, Dark Waters, which is going to come out November twenty second, which is insane. That's not even quite finished yet, and it's coming out um,
0: in theaters. Or? In theaters. Okay, great.
1: So, uh, so when we've tested that film, you know, you start to realize like. Or look, you just go to the cinema in New York City um, uh, and probably here, and you realize the art house audience is not young. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to see a couple years ago, I went to see an Ophuls film uh, at Film Forum. Wednesday afternoon, like at one o'clock in the afternoon, sort of like to play hooky. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, it's at one o'clock on a Wednesday. I'll get there at like ten of one." There was a line around the block. Oh, really? Like everyone was a hundred,
2: <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> you know, and they were all like, "Get to the back of the," you know. <laughs> so, uh, so that's that's the art house audience.
0: So it's interesting that, but in terms of the cooking of it, is it? It almost feels like. When you're cooking for your girlfriend, it's like, you know who she is. You know what she wants. You know what her tastes are. Right. But when you're in a creative field like this, it's like you never quite know who's out there, who's what they're going to want. just
1: trying to do something really good. Yeah. You know, that's really all you can do.
0: But what do you cook when you're cooking for yourself if she's not home? Uh,
1: then I don't, then I more like the cheese and crackers. Really? Yeah.
0: So you're a snacker.
1: I just don't, I just don't <clears throat> put that much effort into cooking just for myself.
0: But okay, so you but you used to follow my blog and all that right. stuff, so like, so your interest in food, like, what, what, how did right. that even begin? What, where did that come from?
1: Um, you know, I, I grew up in Manhattan, okay, and I had a French mother.
0: Oh, well, there you go, and that answers well, all that. <laughs> yeah. it
1: doesn't, it doesn't. It's interesting. She was very young, mm-hmm. she uh, she immigrated when she was 21 or 22, mm-hmm. and um, she was 20 years younger than my father, okay, so uh, so I grew up. In the 60s and 70s, -hmm. when there was really, even in so-called sophisticated places like New York, you know, people were still cooking out of cans, frozen food, et cetera. My mother wasn't particularly, she wasn't wasn't that interested in food necessarily as a person, Mm -hmm. but she was French. So when she put together just her normal, like, the way her mother taught her how to cook, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she'd throw, like some butter into a pan and cut up some shallots or garlic and deglaze the pan with a little white wine. Mm-hmm. And if my friends were over, they would go in like what's that smell? <laughs> yeah, right. That already sm- never, sounds delicious. Yeah. They had never had anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, she so there was a, a little bit of that, just like her sort of appreciation of you know, things that really weren't around us mm-hmm. in in New York City.
0: Did you love it, though, when she made that stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, but I would also sometimes be like, can we have a TV dinner? You know? <laughs> right. Like, can we not have that food? Can we have, like, the more, you know, the food that everyone else is eating? Yeah. I would go to my friend's house for tuna casserole, uh-huh. which I think was all about the potato chips on top.
2: Oh,
0: right, sure.
1: Uh. And, you know, and I think my friend was like, you're out of your mind that you think this is good to eat compared to what your mother is making. <laughs> but, you know, but she was a very simple cook, but she did, you know, she, she made really good things.
0: And did, do you make anything that she used to make or do you have certain recipes that you've passed down?
1: Um, you know, I wish, and this is really something, you know, she died when I was 30 years old and I, I didn't. And, I. Uh, when my daughter went to college, I gave her a book of recipes of what she likes.
0: Mm-hmm. That Oh, you wrote them out? Yep. Oh, that's amazing. Um,
1: so that she has that. Because these are things, again, I would start to put something in it that I like, and then I'd have to go, eh, you know. Not really what she likes.
0: (laughs) What your daughter likes. Yes. Really? So it's
1: a recipe just of the things that I cook that she loves.
0: That's so nice. It's like, it's so loving that, like, when you cook for someone, you really are cooking for them. Um, Well, I just have to ask, like, what were some of the recipes in the book that you made for your daughter?
1: You know, uh, roast chicken. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you do your roast chicken? I do it the Marcella Hazan two lemon way. Okay. And it's. I haven't messed with that recipe very much.
0: What's the technique? You, do you rub the lemon on the chicken? No,
1: it's even simpler than that. You, um, I actually saw it. I saw the recipe in like a food and wine magazine. Remember when airplanes used to have magazines? Sure. And now they really don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't
0: even have like, uh, what's it called? Like pockets anymore, barely. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I was traveling somewhere and I was flipping through like an old food and wine or maybe even a gourmet. I can't remember and there was a a guy or a gal i can't remember interviewing marcella hazan and she made them lunch and the lunch she made was this chicken with two lemons where you basically take two lemons uh roll them on the counter mm-hmm. poke them with a toothpick or a fork like you know a million times mm-hmm. uh stuff them in the chicken salt and pepper inside outside etc uh and then, you know, tie the legs together, which at the time even was like so complicated. <laughs> but I, I think I did it with dental floss. Okay, okay. <laughs> Hopefully not like, mint flavor. <laughs> <like> chicken string. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, the only thing that's a little, you know, weird is you bake it, uh, roast it for the first half hour breast side down. Oh. And then you flip it over and just cook it for however long you usually cook your But chicken.
0: that makes the breast juicy.
1: Well, it's just an incredible chicken.
0: That it's sounds delicious. really, really good. I, I've, I've been doing Thomas Keller's uh, chicken recipe, right. and Craig loves it not for the chicken, though, but because I put all these root vegetables underneath right. it, and then right. all the butter and fat right. goes into them. And so the chicken's almost like an afterthought.
1: This has no butter in it, okay. no oil. Yeah. It's sort of self-based. Sounds great. It's really great.
0: And what do you serve it with?
1: You know, that depends on, uh, you know, roast potatoes or... You know, as I said, my girlfriend could eat potatoes every single day. <laughs>
0: and roast, uh, roasted her favorites?
1: What her real favorite is, is roasted with duck fat. Wow. Which, you know, um, because the part of the, of France that I come from mm-hmm. is, you know, duck fat country.
0: Which part of France is that? The southwest of France. Bordeaux? Or?
1: Well, not far from Bar- Bordeaux, but the Dordogne okay. is what it's called. And it's, you know, ducks, duck fat, walnuts, Wow. You know, it's, that's the foie gras.
0: Do you go there often, or have you been there?
1: I, I did when I was a kid, um, <laughs> and now I go every few years, maybe. Wow. I don't have much family left in that part anymore. I have family in Paris, but...
0: We have good friends, and one of whom is um, French, and he's from Bordeaux, and we're going to go visit him and his family at some point. I'm so excited to just get to eat, like, food at someone's house. Oh, which, yeah. 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 But, I, I mean, there's so much, like I, feel like, I feel like there's a lot of avenues to walk down now. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I guess... I find it kind of fascinating the the snacking like that's like that keeps coming back to me the idea of like being in a hotel room Mm -hmm. eating the cheese and crackers is it also a little bit about having some time to yourself too yes in a big way (laughs) right
1: because I I spent the morning at Netflix Mm -hmm. and then uh, uh, left there around ten thirty or eleven and you know I don't know how to drive so Jeff who you saw when when uh, uh, when you opened the door usually drives me around when I'm in LA Mm -hmm. and he was like, so now what do you want to do? And I was like, Oh, I just want to go back to my
0: hotel. (laughs) Right. So were you thinking that you were coming on a lunch podcast? I mean, did you have any, I was
1: like, I guess I could go have lunch downstairs at the hotel. And then I, I actually went and looked at the menu, but it's all the same shit. Yeah. It's just like, you know, chicken Caesar, salmon Caesar. (laughs) You really have it (laughs) in for chicken (laughs) Caesar. Oh, and they've destroyed what a Caesar is. That's the other thing. Which is what? Which is, first of all, if it doesn't have anchovies, it is not a Caesar. Sure. And it's basically been turned into a sort of limp greens with like a liquefied Parmesan flavored, flavored dressing. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right? not as appetizing. Yeah, that's true. Um, but so in terms of, is there also an element, though, in terms of control, like as in terms of, you know, shopping for yourself, Getting the thing that you want to eat and snack on um, versus like being at a restaurant where somebody else is in the kitchen. I mean, is there any bit of that?
1: No, I think today it was also so I could watch the latest episode of The Great British Baking Show. Oh, of course. I'm not caught up
0: yet, so don't spoil it for me. mm, Does big stuff go down?
1: Send home two people.
0: Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. One of my questions, though, is about... you know, having a daughter, raising her. And, mm. and so when when she was little, when she was growing up, were you cooking as much as, you you know, was it throughout her childhood that you were making all this food?
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you know, look, she's 20. So she kind of grew up right at the sort of prime, you know, I call it like... Uh, in the midst of that kind of food Nazism <laughs> sure. of, you know, what you're supposed to feed your kids, what you're not supposed to feed your kids. And was this in Manhattan and, that she in grew In Manhattan. Up? Oh, okay, yeah. So, uh, for example, I just read that article... That was like, you shouldn't give your kids any juice whatsoever, mm-hmm. you know, until they're like 16 or something. Right. It was like, well, that ship sailed. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, juice is like all you know. sugar. Yeah.
1: Uh, so well, I my guess parents
0: you, gave me like Entenmann's donuts and all that kind of stuff. Like, I guess
1: we fucked that up. <laughs> yeah. But uh and she um she started out in a uh, you know, hipster private hippie school. Okay. Um you know until it became so expensive that the hippies all had to leave <laughs> right. us included oh, yeah yeah um but you know the 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 sort of discourse and insanity and intensity around food mm-hmm. was so extreme um uh partially i think because it was an era where there were a lot of women having children late mm-hmm. um and uh and leaving their jobs mm-hmm. because they were going to enjoy this kid, goddammit, and they <laughs> killed them. Right. And they would bring the same intensity that they had to, like, you know, a corporate takeover to, you know, the <laughs> Halloween fair. Oh, my God. And it was. <laughs> That's hilarious. It was psycho. And, you know, some po- a poor woman being brought to tears because she used food coloring to turn the, you know— The the Halloween cupcakes green, you know, just like, just the stuff I saw. Oh, because people wouldn't
0: eat it because it was food coloring? you know,
1: just like, it was just completely beyond the pale. Right. So, so it was really, you know, it was kind of during that time. But at the same time, if anything had the word organic on it, Mm -hmm. everyone was like, well, that's fine.
2: Oh, right. Of course. You know,
1: like organic juice, organic Oreos, organic, Mm -hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, so it was completely cockamamie, you know, um, our kid, we adopted our daughter from uh, from China. She uh, she has always been very small. Okay. And um, so a lot of it was just like whatever whatever she'll eat is mm-hmm. fine. And when we would drive south to see my uh, my in laws in Kentucky. We'd stop at McDonald's and get her a Happy Meal.
0: Sure. I think that's the healthiest, too. It's, like, not so rarefied. I think it helps a lot socially, too, when you can eat anything and you're not so particular. As a kid, I mean, you know, my dad hated cheese growing up.
1: Right. So, he so would, my daughter hates cheese.
0: So he would never eat cheese. So we never had cheese in the home. So the first time I went to someone's house and got served lasagna, I remember being like a deer in headlights, like, what is this? You know? Right, um, right. So I think that's good. Um, I was going to ask that. So she, she was, you adopted her from China. Right. And did, did she or did you guys experience a lot of Chinese food? Like, did you take her out for Chinese food? Well, thought- yeah,
1: but I mean... Were New Yorkers, right? So, but was there,
0: I guess, was there an interest in the food from the region that she came from? And was there anything like that to
1: some degree? I mean, you know, look, it is uh, it you know, kids who grew up in New York City, mm-hmm. I mean, way more so than when I was little because when I was little, it was still, you know, people's tastes were still pretty pedestrian. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up on the Upper West Side and um. The thing I remember actually, and this is gone almost, but the Upper West Side was filled with Chinese Puerto Rican restaurants.
2: Oh yeah, okay.
1: And um, and it was usually the result of a Chinese boy married a Puerto Rican girl, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And there would be a menu that would be one half Chinese, you know, American Americanized Chinese specialties, mm-hmm. Americanized Spanish specialties, and then in the middle. These like weird hybrids, mm-hmm. you know, like like what <laughs> General So's chicken with black beans. You know, oh my gosh! Like okay, that, that actually so sounds really good. It was it was I mean it was comfort food. Yeah, you didn't have to eat for like a week afterwards. But, gotcha. So, um, but kids now they just you know in Manhattan mm-hmm. their tastes are so sophisticated. Sure. So it's really you know for fun you know she she and her friends they go and try like the latest korean or right. the, you know that's that's what they do for fun
0: um yeah i mean did she go through a phase where she kind of outfooded you in terms of I feel like kids today like are so into like you I mean, know
1: no i mean she but but she um she's definitely definitely has a sophisticated palate
0: mm-hmm so okay i was going to ask now in terms of film because that's obviously i can't not ask you about that i mean you've worked on a lot of movies that have some some of them have dealt with food and i mean beatrice at dinner and oh right like, yeah, yeah
1: except it's not so much about the food
0: not that's, about the no i no. love but i that's what i love right. about it but i mean do, do do you have favorite movies that deal with food do you have ones that you love it's a
1: good question um Uh, I have a real soft spot for that Julia Child movie. Oh, Julia and Julia. Yeah. I love it too. Um, It's one of those movies that like whenever it's on, I can just sort of dip into it wherever it is. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, and I remember I brought the screener with me on a family vacation when my nephew was, I can't remember when it came out. Uh, but he was like eleven or twelve, mm-hmm. and at an age where he was conscious of like what boys like, <laughs> and what girls like. Sure, but he also loved food. Uh-huh. So I had to sit. I had to get him to want to watch this because I wanted to watch it. And I said, "This is a movie about somebody learning how much they love to eat." And he was like That sounds great (laughs) And he loved it
0: That transcends gender I think we all love to eat Yeah I was so expecting you to say Like Babette's Feast Or um, Big Night Or I like both of those movies Yeah
1: But you know um, What I sort of loved about uh, About Julia and Julia Or Julie and Julia, right? Mm -hmm. Is um, that sense of discovery Like of discovering who you were Mm -hmm. Through uh through the food
0: yeah that's true yeah that julia especially julia because she found herself in yeah. france and that
1: that's
0: yeah. funny because pasadena is not too far from here and we sometimes right. go there and i always think about how miserable she was there um well yeah so it's, i was going to ask you too this is sort of gossipy but like in terms of all the people you've worked with like do a lot of the um actors or directors that you've worked with have like crazy food issues
1: um you know we worked with uh we worked with an actress we've worked with actresses who have to have their own chefs who mm-hmm. are doing like sure. you know they're vegan and they're gluten-free and they're this and they're that and the other thing um but i find when we're on location food often becomes like like um Sometimes we'll all you know uh you know we'll cook a meal for everybody mm-hmm. you know every couple of weeks or something like that it comes a way of bringing everyone together
2: mm-hmm.
1: um but you know look i'm s- i as far as actors go, I think what they do is so hard yes and and the our 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 stories are so dependent on them doing it well mm-hmm. I mean. 99.9% of the time people come out of a movie talking about the performance and if they're not then it probably wasn't good. And I I'm sure, you know, I I mean I feel my heart sink when I say to someone, "Did you like it?" and they say, "It looked great."
0: Oh god. And then it's
1: like uh uh That's like
0: a famous thing of like going backstage after a play right. or something <laughs> and what you say to the first your friend that's like, in the play like, "Wow, that costume was really exactly. something." Exactly. Yeah. Well, as you're talking about the actors though, it makes me think about the way you talked about cooking for your girlfriend and cooking for your daughter, it's almost like you're tending. I mean, imagining your role as producer, you're also tending to their needs to some extent and thinking, what do they need? And how can I help them? And, you know,
2: that's a part of what you do. So
1: I guess if an actor, it doesn't bother me, however crazy Mm -hmm. they're like, you know, I can only eat this. we had one actress or I just say one actor. uh, I think you should just use actor as a gender neutral term. Um, who wanted the whole crew to eat vegan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wanted to demand that the whole crew eat
1: vegan? They wanted to put it in their contract.
0: Wow. Uh, that's ballsy. It I did mean. not.
1: It was not possible. So, but then, actually, this is something I do love. I have become a little obsessed with, like, craft service around the world. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, craft service is the food that's put out during the day. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any other business besides the film business that – where people expect you know film and television business film television and streaming business <laughs> right. where people expect to literally be able to eat from the moment they get there oh, to yeah. the moment they leave sure um but in our business they do, and it always i'm always fascinated when i'm in another country mm-hmm. what's the setup some other countries like we shot uh we shot um a uh, velvet gold mine in the u k mm-hmm. and um they didn't necessarily have the lavish buffet that we're used to, mm-hmm. but they had lots of breaks for food. Um, and uh, and my assistant at the time was uh, obsessed with the fact that they had jellied eels.
0: Jellied eels? They did. In the UK? Yeah. What are jellied eels?
1: I guess jellied eels are eels in like a kind of gray.
0: Like aspic or something? Yeah. Uh, did you eat one? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you must see so, I'm as you're saying this, I'm like, "Oh, you've you've traveled all over the world yeah. with movies and stuff." I mean, do you have a favorite food city that you've visited in terms of the food that you've had? San there? Sebastian.
1: Really? Uh, hands down.
0: What was so great about it?
1: Well, uh it's um it's a beautiful city. It's mm-hmm. a small city. It's on the water. So that's kind of fabulous. What brought you there? Uh, they have a fantastic film festival. Okay. So the first time I went was about 7 years ago. Be on the jury of the film festival, Mm -hmm. and then I went back a couple years ago. um, But I would go back every year if I could. They have three or four Michelin like you know giant Michelin starred restaurants like right around the city. Mm -hmm. Mugaritz is one. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Um, uh, Did you eat there? Yes. Wow. Uh, Arzak. Uh
0: huh.
1: Um, Acalare.
0: I definitely heard of Mugarits and Arzak. And, and anyway, there's yeah. like
1: four of them right there. So the festival sent us to those wow. and it was insane. I mean they're insane, but what I liked better to be honest because I don't really love the 25 tasting yeah. like, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to die if I have one more thing. I think food
0: culture is shifting away from those tasting it menus, too. It seems like it. Yeah.
1: But, but the real culture in Saint Sebastian is pincho or tapas bars, mm-hmm. which is this kind of, you know, every night people move around from one to the other. That's what they do socially. There's people who get together with friends that they've known for 25 years just to do that. Mm-hmm. And if you find somebody in the know, they can be very like, you go to this one for that, you go to this one for that. Mm-hmm. And it's just people spilling out into the street. You know, uh, it's just, it's, the food's unbelievable. And that's
0: more of a piece with your lunch and with everything, (laughs) the little snacky foods versus like big formal plates. I also makes me think about like film people, like Craig, you know, my husband is a film person and he would much rather go to a Pinocchio bar and snack and meet a bunch of people than be seated at a formal restaurant with a tablecloth and like gold dumps. Yeah. Well, what about that is so unappealing though? Because for me, I love it, but I want to hear why (laughs) you don't love it.
1: I guess because there's a certain feeling of being trapped.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um you know, uh we've we have some good friends in the restaurant business in New York City. Um uh, uh Dewey Dufresne, whose son is Wiley Dufresne. Oh yeah. So years ago I Dewey took us to um Blue Hill when it first opened.
0: Stone Barns? Yes. Okay.
1: It's one of the worst nights of my life. Really?
0: Oh my <laughs> gosh. Why? I don't mean to. I, no, I this don't is wanna, great. Like, diss
1: the restaurant. Are
0: you kidding? This is fantastic. Uh, this is going to go viral. Uh, <laughs>
1: we got there at like six o'clock. Yeah. Part of what was difficult was um, the restaurant had a problem that night, which is their fire alarm kept going off. Oh, God. So, not their fault. So, let's not diss them for that. Yeah. So, so you know, erase that. But it was because we were with Duke they went insane
0: anthony bourdain called that getting you know. food fucked Ugh. <laughs> yes.
1: and it went on for like 5 hours yes. and um and there was like a constant and also, you couldn't really have a conversation because every time you started to actually like, talk, there was about six of us. Yeah. Every time you started to right. like, try and talk to each other. This is a hand
0: harvested um, beet brushed yes. with celeriac um, they, foam. Like,
1: yeah. yes. yes. You know, the chef suggests that you drink this vouvray. Yeah. Uh, and, but have a sip of the Vivre first. Yeah. And then, and I was just like, I've got to be fucking kidding me. It's so uh, funny. And I'm not small. And some of the people I was there with, were, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't eat like that. I just could It just was, it was just too much.
0: Well, not to pile on Blue Hill Stone Barns, but I went there when Craig's parents met my parents for the Mm -hmm. first time, we went to dinner there. And I'll never forget this because it was one of the more upsetting, sad moments I've ever seen happen in a restaurant, which is this new uh, server. She had all of our cocktails on a tray and she tripped or whatever and spilled all the drinks on our moms and they were drenched. And the restaurant was just like, it was, just
1: like, like, went, I was like 50 right. like managers
0: ran over. And this woman was in tears and we were like, it's okay. Don't worry about right. it. And then they did the exact same thing to us. They started giving us course after right, course right. after course. It's like, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. And we all got on the train to go back to New York afterwards. And we were all green. We were literally yeah. like, we were like, I'm going to barf. That was yeah. so much food. It was delicious. But
2: yeah.
1: Well, when I was in San Sebastian, I met a really interesting woman who had uh, grown up in New York City, Mm -hmm. come to San Sebastian when she was in her early 20s and was like, why should I leave? And so she had a business like showing tourists around Mm -hmm. and saying this is what you should eat at this uh, tapas bar, etc., pincho bar. But she also had a business where she would take high net worth individuals to have like, you know, unusual food experiences. Mm -hmm. And... uh, And it was always people were like, you know, I want to go eat. Like, I want to have the the local specialty, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. And she had to take a cooler full of chicken breasts Mm -hmm. because inevitably somebody would be like, I can't, I cannot possibly eat this, you know, barnacle with snail sauce. (laughs)
0: Oh, I see. So she just fed them chicken breasts. So she would go
1: to the back and (laughs) give the chef and the chef would be like. You know, uh, I have to, what is this? What do I have to cook? You had this? to make a chicken Caesar. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wait, I didn't ask you that. Growing up in New York or in Manhattan, I mean, did you have like your, do you, do you, do you, do you still, still live
1: in Manhattan? I live in the East Village now. Oh, you live
0: in the East Village. Yeah. So what are your New York staples? What are the places? I mean, obviously not built Blue Hillstone barns, no. <laughs> but like, what are the places that you love to eat in New York?
1: Uh, my favorite restaurants in New York are Mary's Fish Camp. Oh, of course. Um, Via Corotta.
0: I'm on team um, Pearl Oyster Bar, I should say, though, because yeah, I, I know Rebecca, who's yeah. we
1: switched teams. Yeah, and it was a big breakup for people was, who don't know. I, I'm I'm well aware. Yes. and it we were very you know we were big pearl regulars, and mm-hmm. then we followed Mary to Mary's, yeah. and you know, yeah. I don't, I don't mean is. to make it political it about it your is. fish
0: camp um, choices, but uh, okay. So you said Mary's fish camp via Corotta. That's an amazing restaurant.
1: Um, prune. Yes. Which is, you know, in our neighborhood.
0: That's one probably one of my favorites.
1: And I think I finally just moved into I can sometimes get a same day table. At prune? Yes.
0: I would just call up and be like, Hey, can hey, do you, have, do you have
1: Hey, it's me.
0: I mean when I lived in New York they had an amazing lunch there. Do they still have that?
1: They do. I just had lunch there. Uh you know, I usually you know, we don't do so much lunch.
0: Yeah, I, like clearly. They do yeah, here. <laughs> no, I know you, you did. Know? You do crackers and cheese.
1: No, but I mean, like here, you know, we have there's like three hours carved out of our day where we can't talk to Los Angeles because everyone's at lunch.
0: Right. It's like and go it's, to yeah.
1: You know, and most New Yorkers eat lunch at their desks or run out for something, you know, small. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, Uh, I have had lunch at Prune a couple of times, and it's really great.
0: I went there when when I still lived in New York, and she made this Ratatouille sandwich. That was so beautiful. It was like a work of art. I mean, she put so much attention to detail into it. Um, Did they ever turn her memoir into a movie? Because I loved that book. I feel
1: like somebody bought it, but I don't know much about it.
0: Did you read that book? Yes. Oh, it's so good.
1: I love food books. Me too. I I love memoirs especially. What are some of your favorites? Well, that one. Mm -hmm. I buy that you know every year i can't remember who publishes it they do best food writing oh yeah of you know 2018 2019 new whatever. one just came out oh it did yeah it's too early though oh is it we're not done i think samin
0: nasrat edited it edited it, it. i can't say those right i love those <laughs> yeah.
1: cuz they're so although i remember it used to be half the articles came from gourmet
2: yeah
1: and then when gourmet folded i was sort of wondering like but then it made them go a little further afield. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really liked the last Ruth Reichel book. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Comfort Me with – oh, no, no. No, um, no, no. The, Save Me the Plums.
1: That one. I just read that one yes. too, yeah. thought it was a lot of fun. It was great. Um, you know, really like whatever I can kind of find. I, I found a book years ago called Unspeakable Cuisine, mm-hmm. which is a collection – of disgusting recipes.
0: Oh, I love that. Um, I'm going to buy that literally when and, you leave. And
1: it's, I kind of find it very relaxing to just kind of dip into that. What are some of the recipes? You know, it's like fricasseed rat. and But it's, <laughs> the thing is, is it's really, I mean, what it does, it's like, it, it, it's basically about like, you know, you may think this is disgusting, but this culture, you know, and it's like, so a lot of them are asian recipes Mm because they're cooking things that it wouldn't occur to us to cook right but the other culture that will literally eat anything is french Mm -hmm. they will eat anything yeah so it's really those two cuisines like you thought that was gross Uh, i'll raise you a monkey brain uh, (laughs) that was gross yes i'll raise you a rat testicle so it's kind of it's, (laughs) it's kind of Oddly relaxing.
0: Craig and I are going to Tokyo for New Year's. Oh, fun. And I've never been there before. And I was
1: I've only been once.
0: And I was reading about the sushi restaurant that everyone talked about, and I was reading sort of little articles about it. And apparently one of the things that if you don't tell them not to, they will serve you horse horse meat sushi. And I read that and it was it kind of like made my stomach churn a little. Right. But I guess I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I'd have to think about it.
1: Well, there's an article in the Times. That I just glanced at, but I'll but I think it's gonna be in the Sunday Times mm-hmm. about eating insects, okay, and about how people are just so conditioned to think they're disgusting. you mm-hmm. have this like you know kind of can't put it in your mouth, yeah, but you just it's all about you just gotta decondition yourself,
0: sure. You know? So maybe I'll eat horse after all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I eat insects. I understand <laughs> it. I,
1: I I would have a little...
0: Well, also, like, having my adorable little dog here. I mean, I feel like it's not a, like, far cry from, between a dog and a horse. Although there's not a big difference between a horse and a, I mean, a dog and a pig, too. So, you know, I don't yeah. really have a leg to stand on.
1: No.
0: Um, so, okay, I'm trying to, like... As we're moving along in this conversation, we're not quite at the end yet. We're on our way. Do you feel like I'm we're painting, a, like, a clear portrait of your food life? I mean... I would say so, what are the what, what what haven't we covered? I mean, I feel like we got your when you're on set, you like to snack in your room
1: you right. don't like
0: you don't like fancy fussy long tasting menu restaurants no,
1: but you know what I do like what i love i I love food festivals Of okay. any kind, and I love those festivals where you walk around and there's like you know a million different things to try
0: that's so funny, I hate those. <laughs> No, but this makes so sense. Switch, <laughs> yeah, I'll
1: switch my like you know five hour. Dinner. Yes, um,
0: I'll come sit at your next five hour tasting <laughs> menu because I mean those festivals are just like standing in these huge lines for these like little cups with like a taste of food. But this is like I think you're a, but you're a social creature. You want to be out and yeah, with people, just, yeah.
1: And I like the idea. You know, uh, my daughter worked at um, what's it called uh, Smorgasburg last oh, summer. Oh, amazing! Okay, and. Um, And, you know, we would go visit her there, and I loved that. What did she do? She was working for Biggie's Sandwich Shop, which was uh, 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 Dewey Dufresne's Short-lived but fabulous sandwich store.
0: How come I've never heard of Dewey Doo Dufres- I mean, I feel like that name is so wonderful.
1: He's Wiley's daddy. Yeah,
0: I didn't know that. Does it, did you have, have they written articles about him or? There
1: is an article actually. The New York Times wrote about how Clinton Street went from being like this nowhere place on in the. Lower East Side mm-hmm. to like a food destination mm-hmm. because of him.
0: Gotcha. So and is that where WD fifty was? was? That's like, where WD fifty. I remember when I ate at WD fifty and we left, there was like a matzah factory next door to it. That was so cool. Like wait, Yeah,
1: or I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. S T R EITS.
0: But it was such a New York moment where
2: I kind yes. of like wandered
0: out and I was like, oh, like what is this? And I'm like, right. oh, they're making matzah at like two in the morning. You know, um, I was going to ask. The, I just it occurred to me that your daughter. So your daughter moved out and went to college. Is that she's
1: in college and She's actually junior year abroading right now in Paris.
0: Wow. So. Oh, I want to switch places with her. But I was going to ask, how did your um, culinary life change at home once she moved out? Did did it change?
1: It did. I think we. Um, I mean, we still have a meal together every night Mm -hmm. uh, when we're both there, uh, Marlene and I. But um, it's probably a little lighter. We might just do a salad. We Mm -hmm. might just do something that's, we're not doing, you know, we're not putting on quite the like. The production. The production. And we might do it in front of, you know, MSNBC. Uh Uh-huh. So, uh, so I think that was really sort of the big change.
0: Did you make a point to not have the TV on when when your daughter was growing up? Yes. Did you think that was important? I mean, I'm curious about that kind of stuff. I
1: mean, look, I, for, uh, you do, you know, you do what you can. Mm -hmm. I, my business partner, who's a terrific parent and we've been together, you know, for 25 years also, um, she was like the one thing that just failed me is family dinner. Mm. Like I can do everything else, but I just can't quite, after a long day at work, like pull it together to do that whole but she, you know, that's fine. For me, it's like the one thing I could do.
2: <laughs> right. So yeah.
1: So you know, it was like a time to you know. Eh, but again, the problem with you know 21st century parenting is you're constantly being told like this is the solution. Yes. This is how you'll get like the kid that, <laughs> that's better than every other kid. Right. <laughs> and you know, for a while, this whole like you know you all have to eat t- together, and it's super. And then. It's like, you know, maybe you get, like, and then you get, I have seen people say to me, like, you know, I'm not going to have a picky eater kid mm-hmm. um, because I'm going to make sure I introduce, and I'm like, uh-huh. You're right. Because you don't pick it. It happens. Yeah. Like, you just get a kid who's like, I'm not eating anything, mm-hmm. you know, unless it's, you know, saltines and peanut butter. Was your
0: daughter like that?
1: No, she was, she just, she just had a, um. She had a limited palette for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, she wasn't crazy with it. But I did, I did start to understand that, like, there was a balance of like not totally giving into it because mm-hmm. it is about attention to yes. some degree, but also, you know, saying if you don't like it, go find yourself something else. It's fine.
0: That's great. I was just you know, reading Kenji Lopez. Do you know him? He's a food writer. Yes, yes. And he, I just read
1: his like insane how to boil it. Oh, egg. Yeah, like, I'm too, I, like,
0: yeah.
1: You know, I'm just going to boil it.
0: Yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah. But he wrote a great thing on Twitter or somewhere about um, getting your kids to eat, whatever. And and one of the things I loved that he said is to not make a big deal about it. Right. Like, Don't make it like if you don't eat that, you're not right. going to, you know, just to right. kind of be light about it. Right. Um, well, as we near the end of this podcast, I always start with like, what did you have for lunch? And then I'm going to ask you, I'm curious, actually, where are you going to have dinner tonight?
1: I am going to have dinner at the Bungalows.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. Because
1: I'm going to take out uh, our production team from the the, uh, show we're shooting right now. And I asked them where they wanted to go. Uh Uh-huh. And that's where they wanted to go. Well, we should say,
0: for people who don't know, there's this thing, on is it on La Cienega or somewhere? In,
1: well, it's called the San Vicente Oh, Bungalos, it's on San Vicente. i guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's guess. That's good giveaway. San Vicente Bungalows. And it's sort of like, a, almost like a club. Like, would It you, is a club. And we were invited there by our friends who brought us. And we ran into you that that's night, right. which was so fun. That's right. um, but when you go in there, they put a sticker on your camera on your phone so you don't take pictures of celebrities.
1: They do. And I know it's like, I mean, you know, I'm i i I'm very... i I I really think it's fun to go there because yeah. I'm, you know, also cuz I it's sort of a treat. Yes. And it's fun to be able to take other people.
0: Of course. Yeah, I was very happy to be a guest yes. there. Do you have other restaurants in LA that you like to go to when you're in town?
1: Honestly, given how great the food is here, mm-hmm. I am woefully um I love Sushi Park. Okay. Uh and, you know, try and get there when I can, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a commitment. Sure. Um,
0: Where's sushi? I actually, I'm I'm saying that as if I've been there, but I actually don't know anything it's about. It's above
1: a nail salon, okay. uh, on Sunset Boulevard.
0: Okay, and great. it's
1: the best sushi I've ever had in my life. Really? Yeah, it's fantastic. Craig
0: loves sushi. We'll have to go there. Uh, is it very expensive?
1: It's it's looks like a total dive. Hmm. Um. And their wine game is not good. Okay. But you go in and it's just it. They ask you what you like and what you don't. Well, they ask you what you don't like. They don't ask you what you like. They ask you if there's anything you don't eat, you tell them. Mm-hmm. You know, sadly, the past few times I've gone, everyone's been like, I don't like uni. <laughs> like, what's the matter with you? Yeah, that's
0: the best thing. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, um, uh, and then they just start bringing you stuff until you tell them to stop. Really? And so you can have a light lunch, mm-hmm. which is probably less expensive. Sure. Um, and then they say, you know, tell us when you're about 80% full and then they'll bring you the last thing, which is sort of a showstopper.
2: Which
0: is what?
1: It's a it's fresh crab in a hand roll.
0: Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, it's really good. Um so what else? What else? I mean that's that's a really good uh, You know, th- yeah.
1: I I when I have dinner with people here it's usually very business oriented. Sure. So, you know, it t- tends to be a little too heavy on like soho house or
0: You want to go to places where there's a little quiet that can... I mean,
1: I would love to go. I still have this memory of um we shot a movie that's not very well known. Called Postcards from America oh, yeah. in Joshua Tree, and the we stayed in L.A. the night before, mm-hmm. and the production manager and I found some strip mall Thai restaurant. I can't remember the name that had like the hottest food I'd ever had in my life. Really? And we were there for like three and a half hours because we had to eat, recover, eat. And recover. you love spicy food. You said oh, earlier, we loved that. Yeah, we loved that, but it was not for the faint of heart.
0: My issue as I get older is not that I can't handle the taste. It's actually what it does to me after. It's like yes. my stomach is like, what did you do? Or as
1: my brother says, it burns when it goes in, and it burns when it comes out. So. Oh,
0: my goodness. Um, well, Christine, this was so lovely. and um, thank you. Thank you for coming on. This is fantastic.
1: My pleasure.
0: All right.